right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast. I'm here with Garrett Alcock. Garrett, what is up, my friend? How are you? Oh, another day in the busy life of, of Garrett, you know. Um, we're doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, I'm getting really excited and ramped up for the season and just can't wait to uh, get everything launched. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, how's how's everything going with it? It, it seems like it's uh, picking up pretty good. It seems like a lot of people have been following along and look like they're going to get on and, and hopefully come shoot. You know, everything's been going great. Um, we got a ton of new sponsors that we're just waiting for some details to announce. Um, you know, people are signing up for matches, memberships growing. I mean, the whole nine yards, It's it's been awesome, and it's, uh, it's just been a lot of fun. So it'll be yeah. exciting to see it grow. Are you shooting any of the matches? <laughs> I, saw you, I saw you got that rifle ready to roll. You know what? Um my plan is to shoot as many of the matches as possible on the RO day, not sure. the actual two day match, but sure. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to shoot every course of fire, but it's more or less just going out there to have some fun and, and, you know, have that camaraderie with everybody. So how, yep. how about you? You guys, you're, I, I bring you on the show and you're interviewing <laughs> me already. You're asking me all the questions, bro. <laughs> Flip the uh, switch. You know, yeah, the question's got to go both ways, right? Yes. Sir. Um, my, my first match will be, uh, with Dusty actually out at, uh, the New Mexico shoot. So I've got a, a carbon barrel. I'm getting spun up now. I'm going to try to throw it on a six, five Creedmoor and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think I'm going to RO that one too. So I'll probably shoot it at the RO day and then RO or, uh, yeah, RO it the rest of the time. So should, nice. be, should be fun. So hold on. I got to ask you, uh, yep. which carbon barrel did you go with? I actually went with XCal. They sponsored me again this year. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to do a test and review cause there's not a whole lot of info out on those carbon barrels. So, I'm um, going to try to get as much info out as I can and see how it shoots, and we'll go from there. I'm going to be completely honest with you, and I feel bad, but I didn't even know they make a carbon barrel. Yeah, they actually came out, I think, at the beginning of maybe mid-2020, uh, and they started producing them. Um, they have a light contour, a medium contour, and a heavy contour, and so I went with the uh, straight barrel, one one and a quarter. Um, and I'm going to try to get it light enough to run the ACC chassis. Okay. Um, if not, I've got a KRG Bravo that I'll toss it in and we'll see how it goes. Nice. Very nice. So before we get into like too much of a discussion here and, and whatnot, um, I always like to have our guests kind of do a quick introduction of themselves. So people know who you are and kind of, you know, they can figure out where or how they relate to our conversation. So if you don't mind, you know, just give us a a quick who you are. Yeah, um, I'm I'm Garrett Alcock. I uh, started in 2019 shooting. Um, I met Nick Depperschmidt and a couple of the guys out in Colorado. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the reaction everyone's got, right? Um, you know, uh, Ryan Means actually helped me throw on my first barrel. Was a six five Creedmoor on a uh, Savage Action in a KRG uh, 180 Alpha chassis. And I shot that for a little bit. And, you know, I think all those guys know me as the guy that changes, uh, you know, two, three calibers a year and changes everything up. So, um, you know, finally 
uh, got everything ready to go. I got a six BR that I won actually at the Hornady Precision Match last year. Um, barrel from Blue Mountain Precision, Eric Anderson. That guy, great dude. Um, you know, does great work. That barrel's phenomenal. I mean, it, it shoots lights out. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I shot a couple matches, a couple of the two days. I've RO'd quite a bit. Um, Craig match with Robert and, uh, you know, the Hornady precision match I RO'd and shot that one day. And, uh, that's, that's really it, man. I just started in 2019 and now we're, now we're here a couple thousand dollars later. Yeah, right. <laughs> Several thousand dollars later. <laughs> yeah. Only a couple of the wife's listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you say you started in 2019. Is that the first time you started shooting competitions or the first time you picked up a rifle? Um, so I've shot a rifle for a while hunting, just small stuff. Um, I got into it with Mikey Davis. Uh, I think, you know, Mikey, um, me and him went out hunting and I actually borrowed his rifle and shot my first bull, um, at like 690 something yards. Nice. Uh, it was a, it was a 338 edge. He dialed me in and was like, all right, when you're ready, take the shot, you know, and, um, put a hole through them and, and it was done, you know, and from there I was hooked. I built a 301 mag, uh, shot that for a while, uh, got another couple deer with that. And then, um, you know, just started getting smaller and smaller calibers and started doing the, the competitions. Very cool. All right. So you had some hunting background before the competition stuff. Yep. Yep. So I, I mean, I started hunting in high school with a couple of buddies and, you know, we ditched school and go up for a week and, you know, go, go hunt. So, um, we hunted in Meeker Craig area for a while okay. out here in Colorado. And, uh, we ended up in rifle we hunt up on the book cliffs and then, uh, Mikey Davis, me and him, we hunt out near Telluride and Rico. Okay. I heard up in that Craig area that there is some phenomenal elk hunting, but it's really hard terrain. The terrain is tough. I'll tell you the San Juans are tougher. Uh, it's it's very steep, very jagged mountains. I mean, it's it's tough stuff. Um, Craig has very big elk populations. Um, the hunting is great, but there's also a ton of hunters. So okay. you're, you're dealing with a lot more people. Um, out in Telluride, we haven't had as much interaction with the hunters uh they're still out there but i think they're kind of spread out more in the area okay so i've never been to tell you right and i know uh derek hubby lives out there and he's yep. been inviting me to go i just haven't had a chance but i heard <laughs> tell you right is like the beverly hills of colorado it is it's uh it's very expensive i think the cheapest house i've seen out there lately is 12 million dollars um <laughs> it's yeah it's it's insane um but it is one of the most beautiful areas you'll ever go to i mean it's it's absolutely gorgeous that that's what i've heard it and i've heard that um you know for a couple different people that the hunting up there is terrific but um it's kind of hard to hunt up there I, yeah, I mean, they they changed the seasons. Um, you know, before it was an either sex tag, so you can go bull or cow, whatever you saw, you could you could go out for. Um, muzzleloader rifle now are both. Um, you know, you have to choose your sex that you go for. Um, bull tags usually take a couple years. Cow tags, I think, are even longer because there's. I think the population's been going down. Okay. Um, but it's great 
great hunting if you can get out and find a good area. Um, the areas, like I said, it's it's very steep. So uh, if you're willing to hike and put in the work, you'll get in on elk. Nice. So for people that haven't hunted in, in these areas, when you're saying, you know, get out and hike and whatever, I mean, are we talking about like total back country? You're going to be out for a couple of days. Don't expect to come home. Or are we going out in the morning, coming back for lunch, going out in the evening, coming back for, for dinner type of thing? There, there are spots where you can go out and you can hike in and you can come back out, uh, midday, you know, but if I'm going to do it without mules, uh, I would probably go up backpack in, stay within a you know mile or two of where I plan on hunting right. and, and take off, you know, so you can go back to base camp. But, uh, my goal this year, if I do get a first season tag would be, Backcountry, I'm going in a couple miles, I'm sitting down, and I'm that's where I'm hunting. You know, so I'm gonna set up a pack and I'm gonna go. Nice, nice. So, do you hunt every year, or is it something that it's kind of based on your schedule? How it, it does really based on my schedule, and you know, I've got three kids, so it it definitely goes along hand with them and my wife's schedule with work. Um, I used to do archery hunting. I, I got out of it and just started doing rifle hunting. Um, you know, it really depends. And I guess it depends on if I get the tags that I put in for. Um, I'm not, I'm not huge on going in with a over the counter tag just because I feel like there's a lot more people during those seasons. Um, you know, everyone can kind of come in, get a tag and then go, you know, so those times, uh, it I guess it just depends on my work schedule and if if I can make that happen. Gotcha. So you have a choice of what you're going to go after. What what's your what's your dream harvest and why? I think at this point, uh, a big muley would be my dream harvest. Um, you know, I haven't I've gone deer hunting. I've I've gone a lot. I've gotten does gotten a couple of decent small bucks, you know. Um, but I think a backcountry, you know, high above tree line type buck hunt would be incredible. Um, elk hunting's awesome. First season's great when the elk are bugling like crazy. Uh, but you know, muleys are quiet and it's a harder hunt, you know, and so you it's really getting in there and glassing and and going for it. Nice. And you do that in Colorado or you want to go out of state and do that? You know, uh, Dusty's pictures of the deer that he's been shooting out in New Mexico, they're, uh, that makes me kind of want to go out to New Mexico, but I, <laughs> there's, there's some big deer here in Colorado too. So I'd, I'd probably try my, try my luck in Colorado before I went anywhere else. Nice. So you brought up Dusty Breakster's match. Um, yep. his, his NRL hunter match is going to be coming up here soon. What are you doing to prep for that? I mean, that's this whole NRL Hunter series is brand new, right? Nobody is a hundred percent sure of what to expect. Um, mm -hmm. You have you correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but didn't you um, RO the Hornady match? I did. I RO'd the Hornady match. Um, I believe stage twelve was so my stage. So you have a little bit of experience with this format. Yep. Um, how are you prepping for Dusty's match? What rifle are you bringing? What gear are you bringing? What's your mindset? Um, can, can you break it down for everyone that's listening? 
Yeah. Um, so uh, obviously tripod and glass, those are, those are big, right? You're going to be searching for those targets. Um, I shot BOTC with Jose Gardner last year mm -hmm. and that was really, you know, there's four different stages every morning. You have an hour to run the stages. Um, when you run, you're going up there, you're breathing heavy, you're doing your thing just like you would in a hunt, right? If you're running up a mountain and you're getting up there and you're finding all your targets and, um, you know, and some of the stages, I think there were eight targets that we had to find. And so, sure. you know, going up, running up there and, and doing that with Jose really put a lot of things in perspective. Um, there's a lot of stuff where people can hide targets and where, you know, deer hide in bush, you know, if, or you're searching for a, a buck that's laying down, you know, so good glass and a tripod, I think are are really hand in hand with uh, the, some of the best gear you can do that and a, a good range finder. Right. Uh, I run a SIG Kilo 2400 ABS. Okay. Uh, so all of my stuff is in there, all my ballistics. So when I shot the Hornady match, um, it was really just range. Look at what that thing put out and, and dial, you know, so you got to figure out wind, right? So you're watching, you're watching wind, but uh, in reality, I've got the SIG Kilo 2400. I've got, um, a Leofoto 404 and some Vortex binoculars. Um, I've got what I'm bringing for a rifle this year. I think I'm going to run the MDT ACC chassis, uh, Trigger Tech Trigger, uh, X-Cal carbon barrel on an impact action. Um, and are you going so, for open light or open heavy then? I'm going open heavy. So I'm hoping that I'm sitting about 15 and a half pounds where I'm at. Um, with that, I'm going to run a Skypod. I just think the adjustability is incredible with the Skypod. So, um, Single, you know, or triple? Uh, I'm just running a single. Okay. I, I haven't had, <laughs> I haven't run into a stage where I've needed anything more, but, uh, I'll tell you, I, I watched Andy Reinhardt go up with a triple pod <laughs> on a stage in Craig last year. And it was incredible. He put two, uh, bipods on his rifle, ran the triple on, uh, on this barricade that we were running, dumped the triple and then went straight down to prone and shot. And it was just the amount of time it took him. I think he finished with like 45 seconds left. <laughs> yeah, but that's like $1,500 so. in bipods. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guys in that stage were just <laughs> flip-flopping bipods and just trying to see what they could do. But those things are incredible, and the adjustability is uh, its great. I mean, this, the Skypods, it's hard to beat. It, it is. I, I, um, I have only the single like you, and yep. it's, uh, it's phenomenal. So, ACC, what action are you running? Uh, Tate's Impact. So the 737 is what I'm running. 737, uh, carbon barrel, trigger tech, and your yep. goal is to stay around that 15 and a half pounds. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, if you're going to be in the open heavy, you might as well use uh, the weight you can. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to use it, I might as well take that extra four pounds over the 12 pounder and uh, use that for a little bit of recoil reduction and watch my shots. Perfect. 6.5 uh, Creedmoor? Yep, I'm going to go 6.5 Creedmoor. I think... Yeah, I've got 140 RDFs and 139 Lapua Sonars, so I, I'm not sure which ones I'm going to run yet. Uh, once I get the barrel in, I'll do a little bit of load development and see which one shoots best. Nice. What length barrel are you running? Sorry, what was that? What length of a barrel are you going to be running? Uh, 24 inches is what I'm running. Okay. Nice. So, a little wow. bit shorter. I mean, it's it's still within that reason. I'm, I'm hoping to get around 2,800 feet per second out of that thing. I was gonna say with that twenty-four inch barrel, you should hit you should hit power factor. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, if you're not shooting factory ammo, that's the biggest concern is is power factor, right? 
Yep, yep. So I got that barrel uh, cryode from Excal, and the last one I had, it made it real easy to clean, and it actually sped it up pretty pretty good. I had a 26-inch barrel that was shooting uh, 143 uh, ELDXs at like 2,900. Okay. So nice. I should be I should be right there. You should be yeah you should be there. Um, are you bringing any other accessory on your rifle sling, uh, bag rider? No. Uh, no. Um. Probably no bag rider just to just to make weight. Um. I don't plan on running a sling. I, I know a lot of guys are really good with a sling. I just don't practice with it enough. Um. Right. You know so I a sling. To me, to carry a rifle, it's great, but to shoot with it, I, I've never really, never really ran with it. Um, I, I probably won't use my tripod to shoot off of. Depend, I guess it depends on on what's there, you know. But uh, I like to kind of leave it out and use bags, you know, and try to get solid with bags. So, with the bags, I mean, the way that the matches are set up is you have to carry everything start to finish. Right. So, with that in mind. You know, I Dusty's venue, it could be all within 500 yards or it could all be within five miles. And then <laughs> right. his, his, right. The ranch that he has access to is huge, right? Yeah. Um, yep. I have no idea how far everything's spread apart. And I, I think part of that mystery is, is pretty cool. But are you, how are you planning to set up your bag and what bags? are you using to compete with? So I've got two bags that I use. Um, I have the uh, Bison Tactical Utter Bag. I, okay. I kind of just strap that to my pack. Um, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've got a uh, bag that I actually made in my mom's kitchen. I sewed it with her sewing machine in her kitchen. <laughs> it's just a, it's a big pillow. I think it's like a 16 by 12 pillow that I can flip on one side and I'm 16. Flipped to the other side, I have 12 inches, and I filled it with uh, one of my kids' beanbag chairs. <laughs> did you sacrifice your kids' beanbag chairs? I did. The thing already had a hole in it from the dog chewing on it. So I, you know, I just, I was like, well, it's just going to get everywhere, so I might as well use it for this bag. <laughs> so you're going to blame the dog? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I, I blame the dog on a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a dog. <laughs> you toys go missing, you know, when you throw stuff away when the kids are being dirty, you just blame it on the dog. There you go. <laughs> Um, what pack are you going to carry? Um, I have an Alps pack now. Um, I honestly don't remember the brand. I've had it for four or five years and it's worked for me. I just, I haven't changed it up. Um, you know, it's got a small frame on the inside of it and a water bladder so I can carry water with me hiking stage to stage. Um, but in all reality, it, my, my rifle can hook into it. I usually hook my tripod and just carry my rifle by hand. Um, but it's, I think it's just an Alps bag. I just, I, I honestly don't remember the model. Okay. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. So what are you doing or are you doing anything to prepare or practice or, you know, become uh, physically fit, whatever uh, it may be for this match? I mean. Yeah. Um, so BOTC is in June um, and that one I, I try to get in shape for that one's a, a tough runner. Um, so last year I was trying to hit three times a week at the gym, um, doing the stairmaster, a hundred flights of stairs. So I'd wake up at like three in the morning, go to the gym, hit the stairmaster and then go to work. Um, 
trying to do that after work was too hard with kids and, and all the stuff that they have going on. So I just woke up early and, and went out. Um, I try to go to the gym four to five times a week, but it doesn't work always. So I, I try to stick with three times a week and, um, I've taken some time off because of COVID. So <laughs> I've got some pounds to lose and I'm ready to get back in the gym and, and start training for all this stuff. So, uh, it'll help me for hunting season this year too, if I can get that first season tag I'm wanting to get. Nice. So what would you recommend for everybody who's, who is new to this type of competition being that you ROed the Hornady match and you've kind of seen um, the format, you've seen people, you know, try different things. What would be your biggest advice if I came to you and said, hey, I'm going to go shoot New Mexico. What do I need to be ready? How do I prep for this? Um, you know, I, I the biggest things to me are target acquisition. Um, I, I would go out and... I don't know if you could go out with a buddy or, or something, but go set up some plates, practice going up to it and finding where those plates are, you know, or, or even have a buddy go set up little flags or something out there so that you guys can work together, go up and try to find targets. Because I think a lot of people struggled to find targets. Um, good glass gets you there. And I think if you can practice and go find those things, then you're good to go. Um, I wouldn't worry so much about working out and getting there, getting in shape. I, you know, depending on if things change, um, I don't think that it was hard enough for you to need to go out and work out and, and run up hills to get ready for. Uh, yes, you'll be breathing hard, but you have, what, four minutes to, you know, catch your breathing, find your targets while you're trying to catch your breathing. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, get in there and shoot. So, okay, with that in mind, we, we keep talking about glass. Um, you said that you're running binos, correct? I am running binos. Why are you choosing binos versus a spotting scope? And what power are you running? So I'm running uh, Vortex 12 by 50s. Um, I think there's just enough power to find those far targets. And it's just little enough power to still see a, a, you know, a good field of view. Um, I don't know if I would go with a spotter just because I think you're going to be zooming in and out a lot. Um, I think a single focus pair of binoculars, whether they're a eight to 12, maybe even a 15 power. Um, I think that's kind of the way to go. It's less to fiddle with. Um, as long as you can get them focused and, and start looking, I think you're ready to go. Um, I, th I think a spotter's just, there's, you know how it is. You set up a spotter, you're looking through one eye rather than both eyes, you, depending on what spotter you have, and you're really going to be zooming in, zooming out, trying to find things. Okay, so it's definitely, it, it's definitely faster, and I definitely agree with you on the field of view. I'm just, I, I'm curious because I see a lot of hunters, um, like, I'll be honest with you, I totally, when we started the NRO Hunter Series, I got my my cable subscription to Sportsman's Channel and Outdoor Network and all of those. Watch and, Meat Eater. Hell yeah, I'm watching Meat Eater, man. Steve Ranella and I have dinner every night, bro. He's, he's shooting it and cooking it, and I'm eating dinner and watching. And, you know, yeah. Randy Newberg and, and Jim Shockey and all those guys. And it seems like they glass with binos but then before they actually 
get really prepared for that shot. It seems like they're bringing out a spotter more often than not. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think time factor is going to be part of it. Um, I think having four minutes and, and getting on there with a pair of binos and a spotter is going to be kind of hard. Um, so I think in all reality, to me, binos is easier. Uh, hunting, I do bring a spotter. Uh, because if I'm sitting on a side of a mountain and I can just spot in glass, I can really zoom in on things rather than just using those 12 buys. Um, so I think if time's not a factor, spotters are phenomenal, right? Um, but with time being a factor, I, I'm trying to cut time and find those targets as quickly as possible. Um, I don't have anything to mess with if I'm just doing binos. You know, it's just focusing in on on the terrain. Okay, that makes sense. So. With time being the factor, what is your standard procedure? Like, are you, if there's multiple targets, are you finding a target and engaging it as soon as you find it? Or are you looking for all the targets, figuring out your ranges and then engaging it? Like, what's what's the game plan when you come up to a stage with multiple targets? So the way I did the Hornady match was I ran up to the stage. I'd set my pack, my rifle down, and just set it to the side. I'd pull out my tripod with my binos on it, and I'd start looking for targets. Um, you know beforehand if it's a 2 by 2 stage or a one by 4 stage, you know what I mean? So right. you know beforehand how many targets you're looking for. Um, when you run up there, I'd get up there and try to look for the targets. I'd try to keep time in the back of my mind. Um, and try to find targets as quickly as possible. I had a small piece of paper with me that I would go in and I'd range those targets and write down T1 was, you know, 2.8 mils or, you know what I mean? So I went through and did that. If I couldn't find all four targets, I'd start shooting the three and then I'd use my rifle to try to find the fourth target. Gotcha. Uh, it, it's really just being in there and being conscious about time and, finding those targets. Cause if you don't, I had like three stages that I couldn't find one of the targets on. And one of the guys pointed it out and I was like, Oh man, I thought that was a target that I already shot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and in all reality, it was probably a hundred yards further than the target, but it was just right above it, you know? Right. So it, it's one of those ones where you really just got to pay attention to the terrain and where you're shooting. If you're too, if you're too zoomed in on your rifle, you know, you don't see all three of those targets in that one little cluster. And then the one off to the right, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's kind of tough, but it, it's not tough enough to be scared away from it. I think anyone that goes out hunting and anyone that, you know, wants to come shoot this thing, it's it's there for everybody. And I think that's one of the, the cool parts about it is, you know, the, the match directors have been given some guidance to make it challenging but fun for everybody. Yep. Um, and if you are going to go out there and, you know, if you're looking for deer, I know at the Hornady Challenge, all the targets were, were diamond-shaped, but I right. know at, for the series, for the Hunter series, the targets are going to, a lot of the targets are going to be animal-shaped. So it's yep. going to help train your eye to look for those certain uh, shapes and, and outlines and, and some definition. Yeah, so yeah. It might be I, helpful, I too. Yep, and I'm uh, you know get used to finding them when there's no paint on them because by the time you get there, there might not be any paint on them. <laughs> well, that, we're not painting any of the targets at all. Oh, that's good. I, I I prefer it that way. Yeah, I mean, 
the the whole goal is to make this as realistic as possible. And sure. if you see a deer running around painted bright white or neon <laughs> orange, <laughs> you, you you might question what the hell happened to that animal, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which kids yeah, got no, drunk I, and, and started my, going out tagging deers. My wife always laughs at me because I'm like, oh, look at that deer, you know, driving up I-70 or something. And she's like, I don't see what the heck you're talking about. Dude, <laughs> like seriously, that's the most frustrating part is like I, I went on my first big game hunt in uh, December or yep. yeah, in December. And I was with Paul Down and Terry Diston. And they were looking at animals and like, oh, there's this, there's that, there's, you know, a herd over there. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys looking at? I don't see anything. Right. And, um, and then they put me on glass and I'm like, holy crap, how did you even see that, you know, from your naked eye? And then even with glass, it still took me a second to find. You got to imagine out of a hundred hunters out there probably 80 of them walk right by a big buck or a big elk. You know, I mean, I, I can't imagine how many people just walk by something because it's either bedded down or they're just not paying attention to their surroundings. You know, I mean, it's it's crazy when you think about it because I, I can tell you I've done it. <laughs> you know, you walk right by something and you're a hunter behind you, you know, shoot something and then you walk back and you're like, oh, man, <laughs> that was a big old bull. How did I walk past that? <laughs> it's uh... – I, I think that's going to be the most challenging part for me is is target acquisition and time. Correlating the two is is where it's at. Um, you know, it, and I say get with a buddy. You know, if you have a buddy, get out there. You know, I've got a couple of guys that um, I go out and shoot with, and I live fairly close to Pawnee National Grasslands, and out there, Jose Gardner took me out there and. Uh, We've got a spot where we've shot out to about 2,000 yards, so it's, we've got plenty of room. It's rolling hills. Um, you know, I, I go practice on prairie dogs sometimes, you know, and just go out there and, and find them running around in a field, you know, and, and just use that as target acquisition, you know, get on binos and start looking, you know, right. uh, coyotes, you know, all, all that stuff. So if I can get some friends to go out with me and we take turns and we, you know, want to go work out and hike the hills and go set up some flags and then have guys find them, you know, that's what we're going to try to do. So that's how I'm going to train and hopefully uh, some other guys and, you know, they find some good ways to get in there and train for it. Well, and that's the thing is when you're practicing spotting, that's not something you can really do at home. You know, it's something right. you have to get out there and, and try to figure out, you know, certain, certain ways to do that, certain drills to practice doing that. Sure. Sure. And yeah, those guys that, uh, you know, live in the, in the big city and aren't close to, you know, somewhere like that where, yeah, they have a thousand yard shooting range somewhere, but it's, there's nothing that they're actually searching for. All that stuff's flagged already, you yeah, know? Right. It's, it's like where I live, I live in, in the suburbs of, uh, LA County or just outside of LA County. So I'd have to go out and spot, you know, somebody with pink hair at a thousand, a thousand yards. <laughs> you probably catch 10 of them out there. <laughs> right. You know, Hey, where's the guy with the unicorn tattoo? We got to find him today. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you do what you have to do. Um, time being the other big stress factor Four minutes you know, for, for you and I who have been in the competition circuit for several years, 
we're used to shorter times. Um, sure. But we're provided with more information. Yes. Four minutes, when you talk about four minutes, that seems like it could be an eternity. But when you actually are hustling to get something done in four minutes, it goes by pretty damn quick. It does, yeah. I mean, you, you're, you be amazed at sometimes just the, the hike up to the position takes you 60 seconds, you know. So now you're down to three minutes to, to finish that stage. Find all your targets, arrange all your targets, and shoot it. Um, so, yeah, you know, PRS, NRL stuff, when you go out, your stages are usually 90 to 120 seconds, right? Right. Um, you have all your information. Yes, there's a, a cycle of how you do it. But uh, the hunter match is set up for for each person. It's amazing how different each shooter comes up and takes care of a stage. You know, I watched uh, a couple guys at the Hornady match set up a tripod and he had a little whiteboard and he'd mark it and mark his um, dope and whatnot, right? And I was nice. like, man, that's a good idea. And then I tried doing that. And I was like, wow, that takes me way too long because <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to draw it perfectly, you know, so I remember where it's at and I'm like trying to draw a landmark next to it, you know. Right. And so uh, for me, it's easier for me just to find it and think about where that landmark is and then go shoot it, um, you know, but everyone has a different process. And that's what I love about it is, that, you know, if you go out and RO one of those matches and you watch 10 shooters, you'll see it 10 different ways. And Honestly, I like you've seen me for you know since you started in this sport. I yep. love to RO, and yep. ROing you know the the traditional style matches. It's fun. You learn a lot. Um, but being honest, once a higher level shooter <clears throat> approaches a stage, no, it's all good, man. Once a higher level competitor approaches a stage um it seems like everybody kind of follows what he what he or she does right they're like well i've yes. never done that before but it worked for him so i'll try it sure which you know it's a monkey see monkey do mentality which is fine but with this being all blind stages you're never going to know what the person in front of you did or the person behind you is going to do so it's going to be really interesting to see how different skill levels and personalities approach each stage. 100%. Because, yes, those guys can still squad together, but now they're not giving each other win calls. Now they're not giving each other, uh, hey, this is what I did. I, I set up on here and, you know, use this bag or, or right. however it was, right? Um, you go to an NRL match and you get – the Jake Vibberts and those guys and everyone wants to squad with them because then you're like, Oh, I'm going to get a sweet win call. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, or I get to watch him and see how he does it. And you know, if he shoots it uh, clean, then I should be able to do that too. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to do my best. Um, and that's great. I, I love the NRL side of it because everyone does help each other out right. and everyone wants everyone to be great. Right. But the NRL hunter side of it is that, now we get to watch all those guys that were shooting really good um, with a little bit of help and see how they do on their own. Right. And that's that's the mystery part of it for me. <laughs> Watching some of these guys that are just awesome, see how they do with finding targets, ranging targets, figuring out the wind on their own, um, figuring out positions on their own, right? So the NRL hunter side of it, I, th I think, is just going to be a whole nother animal, and it's going to be amazing. 
I I definitely agree with that. It's it brings a whole other dynamic in, involved, so that you know it's. Um, I don't know that you can necessarily do it wrong, or you can do it right because now you have to right. solve a puzzle for the first time every time you go up to a stage. Exactly. And exactly. <laughs> there's no watching other people build positions and figure out what works for them. It's literally all on you. And that's the best part about it. Right. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see. I mean, I've been to matches. I've been to like some competition dynamic matches, which have yep. a similar type of format. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have no idea who this dude was. This was probably seven years ago. And he looked like a good old cowboy with a rifle out there. And he was out there with a hunting rifle. Sure. And he um, he started off in a prone position, and he couldn't hit shit. And <laughs> I'm like, I, I felt bad for him. And you know me. I want to try to help the people out and make right. sure they're having a good time. Um. And then all of a sudden he gets into a he goes to a standing position because that's where he has to shoot from for the next target array or whatever, and he's shooting offhand, no support, no sling, no nothing. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be freaking a nightmare. This is going to be rough. And homeboy just nails his <laughs> just offhand standing <laughs> positions. He just nails these targets, and I'm sitting here shaking my head like, what the hell just happened? How how does this guy shoot offhand and hit everything and shoot from a prone and miss everything? Right. Right? And um, talk to him. He's just a good old boy hunter. He, he hunts yep. offhand, and that's what he's comfortable, and that's what he knows how to do. And I'm just, you know, and there is a good possibility somebody like that could come in here into the Hunter series and just totally upset the whole the whole series oh yeah i mean uh, hunters that are, go off of tree branches or just straight yeah just holding their rifle offhand i mean it's the the good thing about the hunter match is that yes the guys that are very very good they're still gonna be good but the guys that aren't great at positional and stuff like that that are used to hunting and just using natural terrain these guys are gonna shine yeah I mean, it totally gives, it puts them in, in their element because yeah. the guys that, and I'm not taking anything away from these guys, but the guys that really shine now in, in the, the NRL PRS race gun, heavier, you know, heavier gun, small caliber series, um, they have all of the best gear that the world has to offer. I mean, sure. right. But are you really going to carry and deploy and use all of that same type of stuff in this series without knowing what each stage has to offer or to challenge you with? That's where it gets hard. And I think some of the guys have practiced with it so much that they can still do that. But I think some of the other guys don't practice enough, right? So they're not going to be able to whip out that triple pull sky pod, you know, and, and get down there and, and do what they want to do. I mean, I watched it at the Hornady match where my stage was just one big rock and you had two different positions to shoot two different targets, right? right? And 
from the right side of the rock, there was only one spot you could see the target. Um, so people were going on the front side of the rock and people were shooting from the back side of the rock. And so the guys that were trying to shoot from the front side of the rock was a really awkward position. You almost had your legs spread your rifle between your legs and you trying to fit a big bag in there and try to shoot off the rock. Um, there were a couple guys with triple pull sky pods that they tried to shoot that first. Well, they throw the triple pull out and they'd get a couple of great shots, but then they're like trying to fandangle the triple pull and get in there and take it off. And then they're like, well, now I don't have a front rest, <laughs> you know? Right. And so they were, just, they were just struggling. And I'm like, well, you know, those guys that you could tell were just hunters. The, there was a couple of guys that cleaned my stage that showed up with socks full of cornmeal, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. Those guys, they killed it. And uh, I, I think those guys that go out, and I, I honestly think predator hunters are going to do really well um, okay. in this match because those guys are really looking, you know, they're finding those targets and they're getting in there quick to range them and shoot them, right? So, I think predator hunters are actually going to have quite the advantage on this one. So are you saying that if Nick Gardarzi competes in this match, he's going to take it in this series? <laughs> uh, I, I think he'll be up there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, who else? Um, there's a couple other guys that I've seen that are just, they're they're out there shooting coyotes. I know a buddy of mine, Ryan Miller, he goes out and shoots coyotes all the time. I'm like, man, you got to come and do this hunter match and see how it goes for you, you know? Right. Um, I, I think a lot of those guys are set up with a, a pair of binos like the Sig Kilo 3000s or those new Vortex uh, Furies. You know, those yeah. those are an all-in-one. You know, with me, I've got to get there and get in with my binos, and then I got to range. You know, with my rangefinder. So those guys that have those binos that range also are the guys that are probably going to get in there and have a little bit of extra time to shoot. Those dual systems, yeah, those, they're they're nice for sure. Yep. So, but yeah, those guys that are running coyotes and foxes and all that kind of stuff, I think they're going to be finding targets quick and just getting it on them. So, what would you say for you know somebody who's just let's say a a, a good hunter, seasoned hunter, sure, and he's just getting into this, he you know practice off season and wants to have a little bit of fun. What would be the biggest piece of advice you would give to that person? Learn where your rangefinder range is at. You know, all of our rangefinders have a center dot. Um, not all of them use that center focal point as the ranging point, right? The reticle could be off just a hair. I think find where that's at and practice ranging things. Um, because a lot of those hunters, they're out there. They can kind of say, oh, that elk's 300 yards away. I can, you know, I can, I can do that. But some of these targets are 580. Some of them are, you know, a thousand yards, right? So get good at ranging. And that would be probably the biggest deal because a lot of people on the stage that I was on, I had a skyline target and they would try to range that 12 inch diamond at 600 yards. Well, since it was skyline, it had a cliff behind it. They were raging behind it and they were just soaring right over the target. Right. So, um, the guys that did well, just range the T post at the bottom. Right. So there's a little tip trick you know, range the T-post at the bottom and you're not skylining and you're not shooting over your target. You know, and, and that brings up a great point is the, the technology in all of this new fancy gear is phenomenal. But if you don't know how to use it, it doesn't do you any good. Um, 
we've been at matches. You and I've been at the same matches yep. where targets, uh, target distances have been disputed anywhere from a couple of yards to thirty yards. Right. And and a thirty yard discrepancy, you That's know, huge. is huge at a match. Thirty yards at a twenty two match is. I mean, that's a whole rev. It could be, right? Yeah, uh, it could be. Um, so if you don't know how to use the gear properly, um, that's also something that you should be practicing, you know? Absolutely. I think uh, I, th I think a range finder is going to be the biggest make it or break it for each stage. Um, if you're getting bad ranges, if you're ranging over targets or next to targets, you know, with, a, with an elk, you can... That's a big body that you're ranging, right? Right. With these targets, a 12-inch target at 1,000 yards, you got to have a pretty decent range finder. Um, I think the people with, like, the Kilo 2000s, the stuff, the, the lower-end SIG stuff is going to work. I think, uh, you know, the Vortex um, range finders and all that stuff, they're going to work. Just know how to use them. You right. know, know where they're ranging at. Because I can tell you my SIG 2400, the top left of the circle in there is where it actually ranges, you know? So huh. if I try to get it in the center, I'm, I could be at that far of a distance. I could be ranging 10 yards behind it, behind the target because it's not actually hitting the target. Right. Right. So utilize your gear, figure out where your, your stuff ranges at and, and start r ranging everything you can by a couple <laughs> of batteries. <laughs> so we're going to see a ton of guys all over the country that are going to go out hiking and they're going to be trying to find, you know, certain types of bushes or trees and then ranging <laughs> them. And, you know, it's uh, right. It, it'll be interesting. We could actually, you know, maybe that that might be a fun side match is uh, there's quite a few. It's, it's really weird, but there's quite a few golfers that also are in our sport. Maybe we sure. set, set them up with pink golf balls and have them hit them into the field and then you have to range them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know it, it's amazing what you can do with the side match there's a whole lot <laughs> right yeah i mean i yeah yeah pink and orange golf balls why not you know i mean just figure it out get creative have some fun with it and uh i mean anything's possible this is this is the first year so it's going to be a, a year of learning for everybody um i'm just I, i'm super excited for what it has what it has to offer the community as a whole, the hunting community, the precision rifle community. It's, I agree. I agree. I think uh, there's there's so much potential with this one. Um, you know, bet between going up and practicing for hunting, you know, getting in shape for it if you if you really want to. Um, I think that there's just a lot to it. You know, there's going to be the wind calls you still have to learn. There's going to be ranging. There's going to be shooting. There's going to be uh, building positions. I mean, the whole shebang is with this match, right? Um, you're not going to be helped. And that's, that's the interesting part about it is that this is on you. Let's see how you do. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it's really weird to do this. And I, I'm debating if I should even ask this question because there's so many unknowns. Sure. Um, but I'm going to ask it anyways, with the NRL, well, the NRL PRS, that started because hunters wanted to better their skill set. And then it's evolved into this NASCAR Formula One style shooting, right? <laughs> Big heavy yeah. guns with super light bullets, no recoil. I think my 22 long rifle has 
more recoil than some of these rifles we're building now. Um, it wouldn't those 30 pound six PRs. <laughs> right. Um, for the people that are crossing back over from NRL PRS to the NRL Hunter, who do you think stands the best chance to really shine? Are and you, you know, asking specific people, or people, are you asking? Yeah. yeah, like who do you who do you think is going to shine really well? I have I have one name in my head, and it's uh, I don't think it's anybody that that most people will think about, sure. um, but I think he could really dominate this series. Okay, and it's not I, it's not your standard top ten guys. Okay. I've got two guys that are top 10 guys that I think are going to do very well. Um, Colin Fawson, yes. the guy's just a phenomenal shooter. Um, he, he can find and range targets. Just, I mean, it's, it's incredible watching him go up and shoot. I mean, he just, Scary. yeah. I mean, he just, it's like, it's second nature to him. Right. Yeah. Um, the other person is Chris way. That guy practices so much. He's out in the field. He's always testing gear. I just think there's something about all of the practice that he does that is going to be kind of a game changer for him too. Okay, so Colin, I agree with you. I think Colin's very dangerous. He's a hunter. Mm -hmm. He's been doing competition dynamic matches for years. I think I bet him doing CD matches was the first time I met him. Yeah. Um, him and Andy together, they're tough. <laughs> yeah, they're tough. He's, but Colin is, Colin, it's like this series was built for Colin. So I could definitely yep. see Colin doing very well. Yep. Chris Way, he's got the physical ability. He's got the skills with pulling the trigger. Yep. I don't know how good he is with target acquisition. Because okay. I've, he's, I've never seen him or know of him having to do that. I know, sure. I, I mean, sure. I know he does like the sniper adventure challenge and all of that, but that's, there's not that much shooting in that match. It's more land navigation and, and, and uh, a physical uh, event. Sure. Sure. Uh, and that guy, I mean, I'll tell you, he's got the physical abilities. Yeah. For sure. That he's, guy kills it. <laughs> yeah. Physically, he's one of the top athletes in the sport physically. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how good his target acquisition is. Um, if he's anywhere near Colin, I think he'll do very well. Sure. Um, there's there's so many good shooters that I feel like I watch do a lot of hunting stuff and post pictures of hunting stuff too. Like Josh Reeves, that guy. I mean, I think he's going to do great too. I mean, he's I, he do, he does pretty damn good with a lot of that stuff. He does. Um, retired military. Physically in good shape, great competitor. Um, he knows how to do a little bit of all of it as well. So yeah. I, I think Josh Reeves is definitely a good, um, a good contender. I'm thinking, and I don't know why. And maybe you you might be able to pick this apart or sure. bring some validity to it. Um, Derek Covey. I think Derek Hovey's going to do very well at this. Yeah, yeah. Hovey is uh, hes a damn good shooter. He does good practicing, and I think where he lives could help him a lot with this. Yes. Um, you know, I think he's uh, hes just right outside of Telluride, 
And I think he's probably got the area and the glass and everything to practice. I mean, to practice this, right? So hubby is a phenomenal shooter and I have all the respect for hubby. And I think you're probably right. I think, uh, I think he'll probably be in the, in the top. I, I think he's going to be, cause he's, he's always been at that top or, or, or higher end finish. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know all his stats, but I don't think um, he has, or if he has, he has, he doesn't have many top 10 finishes. He might sure. have a couple, but maybe not that many. Um, but I, I think this is something where he could constantly be in that top tier. Yep. Um, I also think Paul Dallin is, oh, is going to kill it. Yep. And I think Paul kills uh, it almost everything. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's just, he's just, yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of one of those calling guys where it just seems like second nature where everything just comes to him. Yeah. Right. And the cool thing with watching uh, Paul Dallin and um, Colin is even right now in the race gun series, mm -hmm. they work independently. Yes. They're not asking for wind calls. They're not asking for help. They're not they'll they'll gladly help anybody if you ask you know ask them sure. for help. They'll gladly yep. help anybody, but they're not asking for what other people are doing. They've always been very independent. Yes. And yep. um, same thing with Josh Reeves. So I, yeah. I, I, I I think the people that are dependent on those wind calls and, and don't like being the first shooter going up, you know, I think those are the guys that might struggle a little bit more with this match. Yeah, I, I think those guys uh, have inadvertently been creating crutches for themselves. Yep. Um, the one person that I'm really interested to see how how he performs um, is he's, in my opinion, he's one of the best hunters that I know. I mean, bar down, he's one of the best hunters that I know. Um, and he's been every year progressively becoming a better and better competitor is mm -hmm. uh josh clough yes hs precision yep. yep yep he uh he is probably one of the ones that will sneak up behind you and and just take over yeah, yeah. i uh I, I watch him at matches and just you know i ro'd craig and he was there um and the stage that he shot, I had like the minute of mayhem where it was just one MOA targets all the way up to 700 yards. Right. Just the calm and him watching and just ready to go. I mean, yeah, if you can stay calm through all of this and you can find, you can range. He does a lot of hunting too. I think he, yeah. if he finds the targets, he's going to be one of those guys that that's up there. I mean, <laughs> that's what's so hard is there's so they, many people that are that are just great shooters that I think if they find targets, they're all going to be up there at the top. And, but the thing is, is the, the people that we're mentioning. Are good, are great at target acquisition. Minus my knowledge of Chris Way's target acquisition, I sure. know he has every other skill. I just have never had to see him worry about target acquisition, and I don't. Sure. I don't know that he's a real avid hunter. Um, I haven't talked to him about that kind of stuff, but I mean, Josh Clough has hunted all over the world. Paul Dallin's oh. hunted all over the world. Derek Covey, it's like his pastime. You know, he rolls out of bed and he goes hunting every, you know, every chance he gets. Right. Uh, so, you know, Colin, he's just been doing this for so long. It's, 
he's got like that weird x-ray vision where he could pull shit out of weird backgrounds and he just sees things I don't see. Yeah, there's there's those guys that I think are just naturally finding things that look different on terrain yeah. and just it's there. That's it. You know what I mean? Um, there's there's the guys that are going to come out there and find two of four targets on half the stages. You know, it's just it's just how it's going to go. But I think uh, I think it's set up to where everyone can shoot it. And that is that's the sweet part about the hunter match is that right. doesn't matter what your skill level is. Just come out, you know. And, and uh, you know, that's that's a great segue into my my last thing that I kind of want to talk about because we're getting kind of uh, close to our time frame here. Sure. Um, when I first started shooting precision rifle matches, my goal was not to zero a stage. Okay. And I've reached that goal for the past, I don't know, however many, several matches that I've shot where I'm not zeroing stages anymore. That's my new goal again with NRL Hunter. It's yeah, you know, because now I'm not worried about. I know I can hit a 500. You know, I, I know I have a good hit ratio with targets 800 and in. Sure, but I don't know that I'm going to find all of them. Sure, I don't know if I'll find one of them. Yeah, and that there's going to be some of those matches that they are going to really hide targets, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we know that it's that's what it's going to have to be, right? Or or then it's just kind of one of those meatball matches where where people just find it and shoot it, right? Um, the great thing about this is that if you find the target and you have a bad wind call, you still have a second shot, right? So but pay only attention. Only a to second what... shot. <laughs> That's true. You only have a second shot. So if you shoot a mill off the right edge, well then <laughs> you better have measured that in your reticle, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, for me, I've only shot one mover stage. So Ooh. the mover stage at Hornady was the first mover stage I've ever shot. And I remember Mike Lilly was the one that was uh, ROing it. Yeah. And I was so excited that I hit that first shot that I, you know, I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> where did I shoot that at? You know, I didn't even pay attention to how far I was holding. Yeah. Um, you know, those are ones that I think might be a little bit harder for guys that have never done it. Um, I am obviously not a pro at that. So I will probably miss at least one of those shots. Um but yeah, I think uh, I would hope to not zero a stage, and I and my my best ability is to if I miss, pay attention to where I missed so I can correct that shot. And that's why I went heavy class, right? Because I think uh, if I'm gonna sit there with a 12 pound rifle and a 6.5 Creed or those guys that are shooting like the 12 pound 6.5 PRCs, I'm like, man, there's no way I'm keeping that target in my reticle and paying attention to where I hit that that next one, you know? So. Maybe as I progress, uh, I'll hope that I can take a bigger rifle and, you know, go out there like a 338 Lapua and just tear up some steel, <laughs> right? But I better hit it on my first shot. <laughs> right. And, and you know what? That's, that's a, a whole nother um, variable we haven't discussed is a lot of the quote-unquote pro shooters from the NRL PRS that are shooting, you know, these dashers or the gay tiger or, or yeah. whatever. BRAs, yeah, BRAs. they're real small. Yeah. In a 30-pound rifle, they're now, like, I, I believe, like, the Jake Vibberts and those guys are shooting open light. I so, think a lot of people went with the gear to hit open light. And I, and after shooting the Hornady match, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go heavy because I shot the light class with the 6.5 Creed, and I did okay. 
But now I'm like, I'll take that little bit of, you know, four pounds extra and use that as recoil reduction because all of those guys that are shooting those big guns are now shooting six, five PRCs at like 11 and a half pounds. That thing's going to jump. It's going to jump and it's going to definitely be a uh, unexpected variable for a lot of them because they don't, a lot of them know how to handle the recoil management. A lot of them don't. Sure. Those guys that shoot that and hunt, a lot of them only shoot their hunting rifles 20, 30 rounds a year, you know? So they're not, yeah, they're not used to shooting a, you know, hundred rounds in a match that are, you know, that (laughs) they're going to come back to their campers, their hotels and be like, man, I got a bruise. (laughs) (laughs) So you you saw the rifle that I posted uh, a couple of days ago that I'm building for open light. Um, I just purchased a Begara B14 uh, Wilderness. Okay. So I'm also building a uh, factory rifle. Okay. So um, 6.5 Creedmoor, uh, Begar, uh B14. And I went as traditional of a modern hunting rifle as I could go. I'm not even using a magazine, bro. Box magazine, four rounds. Only. So <laughs> four rounds, the Hornady bro. Match. The Hornady match. I used that rifle. I used a, uh, a Bergara B14, okay. 6.5 Creedmoor. It had a box magazine, and actually I figured out I borrowed it from a buddy of mine, right? Right. Um, I bought 200 rounds of a more, uh, American Gunner Hornady ammo. Yeah. Went out and shot it. Well, I figured out that the Bergara had a burr in the chamber, and it Ooh. wouldn't eject brass because of it. Ooh. So the whole Hornady match, I was – throwing the bolt finger in brass and putting a new bullet in because it was getting caught up in the magazine. So the entire match, I had rounds in my pocket that I was pulling out, slapping in, finger and brass Ouch. out and putting a new one in. It was awful, but I still ended up, you know, mid pack out of, after everything. And, uh, I'll tell you that Bergara, I was impressed with how it shot. Um, I think on the, the long bomb, I think it was like 1100 yards. If I remember right. I got like a seven out of eight on that with a factory Bergara with American yeah. Hornady, you know, <laughs> it was like, that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, don't get discouraged. Cause I think a lot of people that do have gear problems like that get so discouraged that they don't want to shoot, uh, you know, just power through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at that point you have to, cause it, what if that happened to you on an actual hunt? Right. You're not going to say, hold on, I'll be back, you know, let me go fix my rifle and (laughs) blah, 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 when you're in the middle of Alaska somewhere, right? You're going to power through. I had had gear issues the whole time. Um, I had my, I had a Mark V and I did not tighten down the scope cap enough. And so I went to dial on uh, Cole Kornberg's stage and uh, I I went to dial and my cap came off. And I was so freaked out that I broke the scope that I didn't even think about using my reticle. Right. right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that was dumb. I, I just took a zero on that stage, but I could have used my reticle, um, you know. But, yeah, I think there are going to be guys that that have that issue, that they're going to have gear malfunctions or something's going to happen. And you just got to power through it. OK, so your Mark five and your Begara, your Begara 14 made mm-hmm. uh, 12 pound weight. It made 12 pound weight. I was at like 11.8 ounces or uh, yeah, 11 pounds like five. uh eight ounces or something like that. It was bipod, ridiculous. No bipod. bipod with that. I was with Skypod. So it was super, it was super light. I, it was the one with the plastic, uh, stock. So I'm not even sure what yeah, it, that's... stock the wilderness has. 
Uh, that's so, the, I, that's a plastic stock, no cheek riser, no adjustable length of pull. Right. Um, yep. I'm going to put on, um, I forget who makes it. They make really nice Kydex uh, cheek risers that you just Velcro on. So there's no drilling. It's okay. no modification. Oh, I know Bradley, which one you're talking about. I can't Bradley, remember the name. Yeah, Bradley Cheek Rests. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm going to put that on there because I have a weird uh, cheek, uh, cheek height. Yeah. Um, and then I was, you know, trying to figure out what glass and whatever, everything else that I could put on there to, to make sure I stay, stay weight. Yeah. So I had Skypod, which is fairly heavy. Right. Um, and I went with a, uh, I had the little bastard, uh, muzzle brake and I had the Mark five, five to 25 with Hawkins heavy tactical rings. I had to take the pick rail off on the top because I wanted to make sure I, I made weight. Um, you know, if I had lighter rings, I would have been even, even lighter, but I still yeah. made that light glass. Nice. Yep. So, okay. So that gives me a good idea. My, uh, I went and dressed my rifle. So it's in California prison until next month, but as soon as I pick it up, I'm going to get that thing built, and that'll be at every match with us. That'll be a good one. Yeah, that'll be a, a good one. So does the NRL – this is a question that I don't know if anyone knows. Um, does the NRL have a like a, a rental rifle for the NRL hunter side? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, it's not a rental. It's free. Okay, right. And that's I, – I guess I didn't know where to put that wording. Not really yeah. rental, but uh, – you know, a match rifle that someone can use if they don't have one. So we'll have two before the end of the season, we'll have two or three rifles that are going to be part of the, um, Hunter loaner rifle program. Yes. Basically you have to be a member of the NRL Hunter. It's on a first come first serve basis where you can rent it or not rent it. You could, uh, reserve it and we'll bring that rifle out for you and, um, have it all set up and, and ready to go. And okay. uh, it's free. Go, the go real question play. is, the real question is, is that have ammo? Obviously, I think you're gonna the loaner people are gonna pay for the ammo, right? Are you guys providing the ammo, or are they to bring factory ammo? If we have ammo in stock, we'll provide it. Okay. So that's the that's the big unknown with everybody right now, right? Is what right. ammo is going to be available. We went with 6.5 Creedmoor for all of the rifles. So we, the Bagara that we just got is going to be a loaner rifle. The light, yep. uh, open light that I'm building is going to be a loaner rifle. Um, HS Precision is sending out one or two rifles. Um, and then SIG is sending out one of their new crosses. Oh, so oh wow. We'll have a, a nice wide variety of rifles for people to choose from. Sure. Um, and if we have ammo in stock, we'll provide it with as okay. much data as possible. Right, right, right. We're also well, going to have, um, like I have, uh, and these are mine. I just bought them. Um, but I have the 3200.coms from Leica. So okay. the laser range finding uh, binos. Yep. Um, I'll have those if people want to borrow them. Um, sure. I'll have basically... Any gear that I bring to a match, personal gear or NRL gear, will be available for people to use. Bags, rangefinders, tripods, um, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and I'm the same way. Like, if I'm going to RO a match, you know, I, I threw a post out there on Facebook with uh, Dusty's match, and I said, hey, I'm going to shoot this match as an RO, and then I'm going to RO the match. So if someone needs a rangefinder for the match, I'll help you set the dang thing up and get it ready with your ballistics. And I'll let you use the darn thing, you know? Yeah. So 
I don't want anyone to be discouraged or anything else. If you need a good rangefinder, you need something that, that I have, then come on out. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not scared to let you borrow it. Exactly. You know, it's, um, it's one of those things where we want people to have as little excuse as possible as to why they're not there, you know, sure. and gear definitely should not be one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm, if this was video, I'd, I'd show you video. I'm a gear whore. Sure. You know, I, I have, I have just about, I, ha I have a ton of different stuff because I want to test it and I want to review it and I want to have it for people to use and borrow and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, and so it's, it's there for everybody. You know, I just, uh, I just purchased the new Vortex carbon fiber tripod. It literally just came in before you and I jumped on the show. Nice. Um, so I, I'm excited to play with that a little bit, but that'll be available for whoever wants to go out right. and, and use it and try it. And, um, you know, if you're not sure, you know, hey, do I want to buy that scope or is it that scope I want to buy or whatever? If I have it and you want to try it out for the weekend, try it out. As long as you make weight, let's do it. Yep. So. Yep. No, I, I 100% agree. And I think that's, I think that's a lot of um, people that are starting in this sport don't realize is that they can come out in RO and help out with the match and look at 99% of the people that are out there will let you get behind the rifle, yep. right? They're not going to let you spin their turrets and stuff like that, right? Some of them will. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you come out and find me in a match and you want to know how an ACC works or how uh, the Mark V is or, you know, anything like that, come out and ask. Like, don't don't be discouraged because it's an expensive sport and you're afraid you're going to buy something and not like it. Come out there, try it out, see how you like it, and then, you know, decide if you're going to make those purchases or not. And, and that's exactly why I bought the Begar uh, B14 is that's a sub thousand dollar rifle. My plan yep. is to put the Bushnell Match Pro on it, which is a $500 optic yep. and a Harris bipod. Harris bipod's a hundred bucks. So you're $1,600 into the rifle, which right. isn't bad for everyone. No, I mean, it, you know, it, obviously it's not a $300 savage that a lot of people go hunting with, right? right. But if you're going to be successful in, in the mountains, you're going to have gear that needs to hold up, right? right? And so that's that's a rifle that will hold up. And I'm not going to go out on a serious hunt without a serious rifle. Right. You know, if I'm if I'm spending, you know, like my, my elk tag just for the tag was 600 some odd dollars because I'm out of state. Right. I'm not going to buy a $600 tag with a $300 rifle. It just that sure. doesn't make sense. And, and the way I see it is I have enough respect for that animal that I want quality gear. Right. That if I'm going to harvest that animal, my gear's not going to be what breaks down or it's you know not going to be the, the fault of me losing an animal. Exactly. Exactly. So, man, we um, – hour and 10 minutes roughly. That's awesome. We've had a – Time flies. We've had a lot of, of uh, interesting topics to discuss today, and I, I appreciate it, bro. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you had me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. It's been a, a while since we've hung out and and talked. And I know you're on a, a work uh, a work trip right now, so I appreciate you making the time to to do this. Um, yeah, it was probably anything... easier so my my three kids weren't bothering us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are awesome, man. Oh, awesome. man. My daughter, she she had a blast out of that Craig match, but, man, she was worn out afterwards. <laughs> you know, that get them accustomed to it. Get them used to the sport because they're the future, right? 
yeah, you know, I think she's going to come, depending on what my wife says, I think she's going to come with me to Cole Kornberg's uh, Dog Valley match. I'm going to go out and RO that one this year. Nice. Nice. So it's actually that Friday, the day that the match starts is on her birthday, and that's what she wants to do. So we'll see. <laughs> Heck yeah, that's awesome. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to say to our listeners? Or I don't think so. I think uh, you know, for the most part, like we've like we've reiterated throughout this whole thing, is if you're if you're scared, stop being scared. Get your butt out there and start shooting. Yep. It doesn't hurt. Just come out there and, and, and have some fun. We don't bite, and if we do, it's not hard. The, the biggest thing you'll take away from it is experience and, and learning, you know. So uh, if that's all you take from it, then you're still you're still ahead of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, Garrett, I really appreciate you being on the show today. To our listeners, thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you guys learned something from today's show. Um, until next time, you guys keep shooting, be safe, and we'll see you all at the range. Take care. Garrett, thank you so much, brother. Have a great night, buddy.